Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Thanks, Eric and the team. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. It's good to see you. Welcome to everyone online as well. And uh, my name's Barry. I'm the campus pastor at Taramara, for those of you who don't uh, yet know me. And it's good to be together today uh, in church, uh, worshipping God. I've just got a question to start with, and that's today, is how would you describe your spiritual life at the moment? Uh, three options, and uh, one would be, you know, it's dry. Another might be, it's a bit like a, 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 a small stream. It's, you know, there's a bit of life there, but not heaps. Or another, it might be just feeling like, my spiritual life is just like a rushing, gushing river at the moment. It's full and robust. Um, we're in a series uh, on fresh streams of life today. And uh, um, we, we want to look at what Jesus said. Let's dive into Jesus. Jesus said this, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures say, declares, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. This is a passage where Jesus is saying that, you know, he, Jesus, we know about Jesus, that Jesus is the living water. And we, what that means is he's the source of our spiritual life. But he wants for each of us to understand that there are rivers and streams of life that can be in us to help us live the life that God intended for us to live. Sydney's a beautiful place to live, isn't it? There are so many beautiful things about Sydney. There is, there's creeks and rivers, there's beaches, there's national parks, um, there's, there's lots to do in the city, there's lots of ice cream places to go to and lots of burger places and, and there's lots of coffee places. There's just so many good things. And one of the things that you notice about Sydney is in terms of its geography, there are six major river systems in Sydney. There's the Nepean River, which becomes the Hawkesbury River. Then uh, coming down, you, then you hit the Lane Cove River. And then the next river is the Parramatta River. And then down further is the Georges River and then the Hacking River. These six rivers around Sydney, they provide for millions of people, but lots of plants and animals as well. They are a source of life. And we are looking at this series, uh, looking at six fresh streams of life uh, that, are, that are from Jesus, that Jesus himself practiced. And uh, we're encouraging ourselves to explore these six because there might be one of these streams or rivers, streams or rivers of life that may be uh, more where we're at. And it's also good for us to understand that throughout Christianity, these six streams have played a big role uh, in the life of Christians over the years. So what are these six streams that Jesus lived? There's the prayer-filled life, the distinctive life, the spirit-empowered life, the word-centered life, which we'll look at next week, the mission or other-centered life. And today we're going to be having a look at the compassionate life. And Jesus lived all of these streams and uh, we want to look today at this one, the compassionate life. It's a bit of a different message to what I'd normally speak today. And so, you know, just be prepared for something a little different to what you might normally hear. 
Um, but I want to ask a question, another question. Who here amongst us, and you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but if you want to, feel free. Who here within this room, or those of you who are watching online, has experienced at some point in your life an injustice? Yep, okay, there's people, hands up in the room. Now, I'm very aware that the type of injustice, it could be, it could be I don't know, I don't know what your injustice was. Um, I've, I've experienced quite a few, and... Um, you know, one of them was when I went to the shopping centre and there was a car park there and it had my name available on it, but someone got in before me. Now, that's a very small light injustice, isn't it? You know, I, it, was, it was for me. Another one which was a little bit more, um, a bit more, bit more painful was, um, you know, there are different, there are various grades, I guess, of this. Um, when I, I did a business degree, when I finished school, uh, worked in, the, in, in a sort of accounting finance industry area of work and um, um, discovered that, um, that, that the payments that I was meant to be receiving um, in the area of superannuation weren't happening. Here I was working in the finance accounting area and, and I wasn't getting what I was entitled to or due, what was due me. And so I sort of felt, oh, gee, that didn't, didn't feel right. Just didn't seem right. It, it, it was an injustice. It was, and so we had to get all that sorted out. And um, I, I don't know what your injustice is. Some of it could be a pretty deep one. Maybe um, for some of us, it's, you know, you've been a, vic a victim of a tech scam and you've pressed that button that says, you know, you know there's lots of them. Go I get one of them every week these days. Um, there's, there's those ones. There's the... Um, uh, perhaps, you know, you've been the victim of a bad business deal or a bad business decision or something's, you know, something's happened and you've become the victim. What do we, what do we, what do we need when we've experienced injustice? We need understanding. We need compassion. We, that's what we need. Australia is a, a land of opportunity. It's a, we're a country where the, the fair go is really important. People, we, we actually value the fair go, don't we? We value what's honest, right and fair. Let's talk about compassion for a moment. Here's how Friedrich Buechner defines compassion. Compassion is the capacity for feeling what it is like to live inside somebody else's skin. It is the knowledge that there can never really be any peace and joy for me until there is peace and joy for you. That's a, that's a great definition, isn't it? It's that recognition that, that the, a, a compassionate heart will want peace and joy for that person and, and, but but that, that's not going to happen. For, for me to have peace and joy, we need the other person to experience peace and joy. Another question today. Who has a passion to care for people by doing the right thing? I'm hoping we could, we could, you know, I didn't ask to raise your hands, but hopefully that's all of us, okay? We have a passion to care for people by doing the right thing. 
You know, it's so good that within the life of Northside, there are people who are involved in various projects and missions and who are passionate about various ministries. And that's so good. Um, these, some of these are about justice and compassion. Let's look at Jesus. Jesus declared his mission and he said this in his very first message. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach and proclaim good news for the poor, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He has sent me to release the oppressed, to set the captives free, to open the eyes of the blind and to give good news for the poor. That was what Jesus said as he started his ministry. Why does Jesus start his ministry with this is because every person matters and every person is made in God's image and every person uh, is, is a person that needs the love and the grace of God. You know, there was an Old Testament prophet, his name was Micah and Micah says this about what God requires of us. He says this, uh, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Three things. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I think it's awesome that, um, that we can gather together for worship because in gathering, um, we... We can recognise God, you're God and we're not. And we need your grace and we need your help. Micah in this passage is, you know, is saying, here's what God would want. If there's three things God wants for us, it's this, to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. One of the things that's beautiful about church is that we get to sing. We, we get to worship. Uh, we, and, and worship isn't just about singing. It's a whole act of life thing. It's, it's, it's about giving our whole life to Jesus, to God. And when we gather, we, we can worship. So in worship, sometimes we celebrate, we sing. And the, and the audience is not the guys up here. It's not Eric. He's leading us and facilitating. And the audience is not everyone out there, the audience of our worship is God. I want to ask a, a question today, another question, and, and, and uh, that's this. Was there ever a time when God turned a deaf ear to the music and the singing of his people? I'm not going to ask for a poll of hands, yes or no. Let's have a look at it. I want us this morning to hear the story of a guy called Amos. Um, what God was saying to a, through a guy called Amos. Amos didn't go to school to learn how to deliver a message. He worked with plants and animals out in the countryside. But God called Amos many years ago to speak the truth to the sophisticated ancient cities of Samaria Gilgal and Bethel and these cities uh, existed many years ago and God's message through Amos had power to renew the spiritual life 
of the people living at that time. His message wasn't a popular message. His message wasn't popular then. And I think if, if he gave this message today, it probably wouldn't be popular today either. Let's have a look at this. Because today what I want us to see is that God is bigger than our domesticated view of God. And I want us to see some things about God that maybe we haven't seen before. So let's have a look at it. Amos chapter 5, verse 21 to 24, God says this. This is really strong language. He says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. And he says, away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But then he says this, let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never flowing like a never failing stream. Justice is what he's talking about here. What is justice? Justice is concrete action to correct injustice. And righteousness, righteousness is about right relationship with people based on um, right relationships of equity despite the social difference. Now, the fresh streams of the compassionate life, this fresh stream, is a life that's committed to justice and righteousness for all people. Now, here's the thing. We have an incredible... um, um, opportunity today to see something about God that maybe might surprise us. You see, we know, how, how good is it when we're part of a festival or a special offering and that we can get to sing and, 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 and to participate with God's people in worship and in music? How good is that when God is the focus of all that we're about and that's what he is? But why, why is it that in Amos's day, why does God despise the activity of offerings and music and singing and even worship? Why would God despise it? This, this, just, this is very interesting. And he's, the, the reason that Richard Foster says in his book, Streams of Living Water, upon which a lot of this message series uh, it has been, been a framework for us, he says this, it's because God's people must practice social righteousness, relational righteousness, justice, compassion, and peace. You know, in the first, if you want to, if you want to do some afternoon reading today or, or, or sometime this week, have a read of the book of Amos. In the first four chapters of Amos, Amos speaks for God who issues these judgments on all these nations, several nations. And the reason that God does this is because there are these blatant injustices that have been operating amongst the people that have become so commonplace 
that no one seemed to notice. What were they? Poor people were being sold into slavery. People with no positional power were oppressed. The weak and helpless were taken advantage of. So in Amos chapter 2, 6 and 7, it says this, This is what the Lord says, I'll not turn back my wrath. They sell the innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. I mean, can you imagine a creditor selling someone for a pair of shoes? That's what was going on. They trample on the heads of the poor as on the dust of the ground and they deny justice to the oppressed. What was happening, the power brokers were oppressing the people with little influence. So why is it that in this passage and in this stream, as we look at compassion, because this is about compassion today, but part of compassion is understanding God who is just and fair and a God of righteousness and goodness. But why is it that God just seems so judgy? Why does God seem so angry? Why, why is God so upset? Here's the reason. Because compassion involves caring for people. It, it, it's about regarding the weak. It's about being fair and just in decisions. So here's a key point for today I want to share with you. God longs for compassion in human relationships. God longs for compassion in human relationships and social structures. Because people are made in God's image to benefit from his love, his protection and his care. Now, if anyone has been a victim of injustice, you have a friend, Jesus. If there is anyone in this world who has experienced injustice more than any other human being, it is Jesus. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. He was pure, he was loving, he was compassionate, he cared for all people, he lived the right life and yet despite all that, he was ridiculed, he was set up, he was betrayed, he was denied, he was crucified, he experienced on everyone's behalf the greatest injustice of all by being crucified on the cross. And so I encourage you to know that Jesus knows what it's like to experience injustice. Amos has a lot more to say and uh, he says, he speaks for God to the, to the merchants and to the traders and to the business leaders of the day. He says this, Hear this, you who trample the needy and, go, go, and do away with the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over what, what, that we may sell grain and the Sabbath, when will it be ended that we, might, that we may market wheat? You know, skimping on the measure, boosting the price, cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings 
with the wheat. This was the chaff. They were selling that and adding that to the weight. They were, they were basically selling dust. So what was happening for the people then is there was these crooked injustices. There was these crooked practices and injustices, injustices that were an offence to God. But then Amos isn't done yet. Amos had a message for the elite of society. Uh, he had a message for those who corrupted the legal system for their own advantage. Even though that system was meant to provide justice for all people equally, he said this, in Amos 5, he says this, There are those who hate the one who upholds justice in court and detest the ones who tell the truth. You levy a straw tax on the poor and you impose a tax on their grain. Therefore, though you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. He says, though you have planted lush vineyards, you will not drink their wine. For I know how many are your offences and how great your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. So what was, what was happening back then is that there were these practices, injustices that had become commonplace. The poor were being overcharged. There was illegal activity. Uh, the innocent were being intimidated. Shady deals done were hurting people. And God had something to say about that. And what do we understand about God? Here's what I want us to see about God through these, through these words that he says. Here's what it says. God's dreadful judgments show his passion for justice in society. And we ought not presume upon his divine patience. So when we see God getting angry and upset, when we see him saying these things about people, it's because the injustice was happening and God has to speak to it and address it. Amos did not want to deliver the message that he had. I mean, he was just a, a guy from down the south there of Israel and he, you know, he worked with fig trees and, 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 and sheep and yet he had to deliver this message to God's people. As we look at this stream of justice, you know, the passage talked about... The, you know, justice is one of those streams of life that can just liberate the Christian faith and can help us in our faith. And for some of you, this, this area of the Christianity is, is really important. And there's some dangers with being so focused on justice because you can become legalistic about being focused on justice and forget actually forget to be merciful. But it's important that we are become people of compassion. And so today I just want to invite us to consider three ways that we might grow in this area of compassion. The first way is this. Ask God to break your heart with what breaks his heart. Bob Pierce, the founder of World Vision, prayed a prayer like this. He said, God, break my heart with what breaks your heart. And in praying that prayer, it, it transformed him and, he, and, and it ended up becoming 
the birth of a, of a great organisation. What is it that breaks God's heart? You know, amongst our own church family, we have missionaries, Dave and Lil, um, Saxby, over in Ambon, Indonesia. One of the things that breaks their heart is that there are people who don't have the message of Jesus in their own language that they could read. And so that's motivated them to be involved in that. Brendan and Shannon, who we know and love and, and who were recommissioned here last week, we know that what breaks their heart is that people living in, in that poor part of Africa um, you know, don't have the medical attention that they need and that babies are being born in the, in the way they are. And so they've just devoted so much of who they are to bringing about justice and fairness and equity for people in that area. What about you? What is it for you? I'm, you know, not all of us are going to go overseas and be missionaries, but some of us, it may actually be the vocation that you're involved in now, but there may be something that God wants to stir in you. And so what I'd invite you to do this week, if you've never prayed a prayer like this, God, break my heart with what breaks your heart. I'd invite you now, if you've got a phone, take 20 seconds, just think of a time during the week where you could pray a simple prayer like this each day for the next seven days. If you want to grab a phone out, just find a diary time or set an alarm where you might simply pray a prayer like that. What if you could pray a prayer like that and, and, and pray it from the depths of your heart and ask God to open your eyes and for him to break your heart with what breaks his. You know, in my own life, the thing that breaks my heart is the fact that so many people don't know Jesus. So many people don't yet know who Jesus is, his love, his grace and his mercy for them. I think that breaks God's heart because God loves people and he longs for them to be in relationship with him through Jesus. And it breaks his heart that so many people don't yet have that relationship. Here's the second, uh, second way that we can grow in this life of compassion and that's to, to listen, to listen to a people need that God may want you to meet. Listen to a people need that God might want you to meet. There are a few ways that we can do that. I've been involved in doing community surveys and sometimes I've met with the mayor of the city where I've lived at the time and, and recently I had the opportunity of meeting with one of the mayors in, in, in Sydney and, and praying with him and exploring together, God, what might be a way, what, what are the needs of this community that a local church might be able to meet? And so as a church, one of the things that we're looking at this year is wanting to identify uh, in each location a, a, a specific need that as a church we might particularly be able to meet in a sustainable way in a, significant, in a significant and sustainable way in the near future. And I'd invite you, if you've got some ideas on that for this area, then feed them through to us. There might be something that you've got a burning passion that breaks your heart that could also be something that you could be involved in, in meeting a need in this community. Then I'd encourage you to fan that into flame and talk with us and let's see what God might want to do 
amongst our congregation to bring about compassion and justice in our very own community in a, in a greater way. Listen. Listen to God. Listen to people. Listen to one another. What might be a community need that God might want us to meet to bring about compassion in our area? And the third one is to humbly serve like Jesus. To humbly serve, to actually get involved. What is it that stands out about Jesus? Do you know one of the things that stands out? He had 12 disciples. Amongst the 12, they were often fighting amongst each other about who was the greatest, who was the best. I'd imagine it would have been a tough job for Jesus to disciple these disciples. Some of them were overly ambitious. Some of them needed a little bit of a kick in the pants. Some of them were doubters. One of them was, was in charge of the money, Judas. And Judas didn't like it when Jesus was honoured by the poor. And when, when something was devoted and given to him, and Judas said, this could have been sold and given the money given for the poor, but that probably wasn't Judas's real motivation. One, what happened one night on the night that Jesus was betrayed? It was the Last Supper. And at that Last Supper, something extraordinary happened. Jesus knew that Judas had already organised with the religious leaders to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that everything was set in place, that everything was all lined up for him to be betrayed. And what does Jesus do? In John, we read these words, that Jesus, knowing who he was and knowing that he had come from God and was going to return to God, knowing also at that time that Judas was about to betray him, Jesus got up, took off his outer garment, got a towel, got some water, and he got with each of the disciples, and he got down and he washed their smelly feet. He washed the feet of Peter and all the other guys and he washed the feet of Judas. The very one who was about to walk and betray him. This is compassion at the highest level. This is compassion and grace and humility at the deepest level. That Jesus would wash the feet of the very one who was about to walk and betray him. And guess what, friends? If we're followers of Jesus, we're invited to do the same. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.